Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. <laughs> Welcome to Burning I'm not going to freak out, but I do have the dream guest on Burning in Hell. Maybe I manifested it. Who knows? It's possible. But I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and we are with the iconic, incredible Gabby Bernstein, New York Times bestseller, many times over, Dear Gabby Pod, Oprah names you the new thought leader, and you have a new book out called Happy Days, The Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. I am like hyped up just saying the title of that book. Gabby, welcome to hell. Girlfriend, <laughs> I told you when I saw your face on the Zoom that I have the biggest fucking girl crush on you. And I literally reached, there's very, I'm probably going to tell you that you might be the only podcast that I said to my publicist, go after this one. Like, I want to meet her. I want to be friends with her. I want to be on her fucking podcast. So here we are. I'm obsessed with you because I actually was super depressed in 2018 and I went Googling and I was like, what is going on? I'm so unhappy. And that's when I first discovered you when I was in my dark time. And I just remember seeing you and thinking like, if this woman can speak out and find happiness and speak her truth and be so vulnerable, I'm like, why can't I? So I've been following you for a couple of years. So even the fact that you even know my name is is wild in this universe. I've been drawn to you for similar reasons, seeing like, oh, wow, this woman is so brave and she's doing such fun work that is profound and she speaks her voice and I'm proud of you and I fucking think you're awesome. I'm a Leo, so I'll take the compliments. It's like that dichotomy. And I think for a lot of people that like search for brightness and like big things, a lot of the times you're struggling with dark things. And let's get right into it and get dark. Can you explain trauma to me and the difference between the small T and the big T? I'm someone who's been through many different forms of trauma as you can you explain to the audience a little more about that yeah I'm going to jump into that but before I want to really acknowledge something that you said <clears throat> you just said that some of sort of I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase but that those of us who've stepped into bright creative endeavors and sort of have this desire to express ourselves that is often the after effect of deep, dark inner work that has been brought to the surface so it can be manifested and used for the greater good. So I really want to acknowledge that because for anyone that's suffering or struggling right now, I want you to recognize that your struggles have the opportunity to be transmuted and transformed into your greatest source of power. Sorry, I have chills. It's, it's, it's important to begin the journey of this conversation by just witnessing that there's light on the other side. 
That's why I've been <clears throat> working as a spiritual teacher for 16 years is just one for my own recovery, being in mm -hmm. the pursuit of that freedom from my traumas from my past so that I could be free in this present moment. It sounds like a form of comprehending the question of like, why me? Like, you know, when something bad happens to you and you're like, why? Why? Like, did I deserve this? Did I do something in a past life? Am I just a sh like, is this just my fate? Yeah, I think that there's two ways to move through life. Before I answer the full-blown trauma question, I actually want to share this story. So in the first chapter of my book, I'm 24 years old. I'm telling the story of being 24 in my beat-up white Corolla with, like, the Gatorade bottle on the floor. <clears throat> I haven't slept the night before, and I'm in my car just adhering to the alternate side of the street parking regulations in New York City. If anyone's parked in New York, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sitting in that car, and I'm watching all these people go to work with their shoulder bags and their coffees, and they look so put together, and I'm going nowhere. I have literally just come back from a party 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm pressing play and rewind over and over on a cassette tape. Yes, I'm 42 years old. So this is a cassette <laughs> tape at 24, and I'm pushing it into the – Pressing play, pressing rewind, pressing play, pressing rewind on the same audio over and over. And the audio is a psychic that I had seen five months earlier. And in the beginning of the audio, she says, you're struggling with drugs and alcohol. And I hear my voice trembling. I respond, well, it's not that bad. And then it goes on. You have two choices in this lifetime, and you can exercise free will. You can choose to stay on drugs and have a really hard time, or you can get sober and get clean and make a major impact on the world. And I just keep replaying and replaying and replaying and replaying. Why I share that story right now is I couldn't comprehend what that meant then, but it's re really reflective of what you just said. When we're going through a dark moment, we are in this opportunity, this, this awakening, uh, it's uh, Rumi said, the wound is the place where the light enters you. So yeah. if you're in this moment of crisis, you can hear those same words that I kept repeating. I can carry on like this. That's one choice. Or I can show up for this and make a major impact, be the happiest version of myself and show up for myself in ways that I never thought were possible. And so I think that's a really beautiful place for us to start this conversation of like, yeah. you know, you were in 2018, like making that same choice. And the list, many listeners are in this position right now where they're like addicted or they're depressed or they're overly anxious. And the question mm -hmm. is, are you going to show up for what's up? Because if you don't, it's going to keep showing up. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like you get comfortable in whatever annoyance that is your life and it almost takes a full shit show. <laughs> for you to be like oh I literally can't go on like this anymore so even though you're like why did this horrible thing happen to me sometimes it is that word you use in awakening that is so freaking painful and you question like just how why the world is the way it is to then kind of see a new form of living that's exactly right I'm gonna throw you another quote that's really quite epic we love quotes on burning in hell <laughs> Uh, Ama, the hugging saint, she said that when an eggshell cracks from the outside, it's broken. 
but when it cracks from the inside, it's reborn. Whoo! Chills, full body chills there. And the reason that's so beautiful for this this conversation is that what exactly what you're saying is these moments of crisis, whether they be massive bottoms, like me, me being 25 and a cocaine addict getting clean and sober, or mm-hmm. just looking at your life and being like, is this it? You know, those are not, that's enough of a bottom to crack open from the inside out. So we have these these moments of time in our life where we can make that decision. And hopefully somebody listening right now, this might be their moment. And I believe that. I believe we're guided yeah. to listen to exactly what we need. And so in the book, I talk about trauma. And, you know, it's funny. And I think that um, in my like five years ago, if this book had come out, I don't believe it would have been nearly as well received as it is going to be right today, right now. Because I think that living through a worldwide pandemic and witnessing so much of the suffering in the world in, a, in real time, personally and throughout the world, we ha- a lot of people have started to ask themselves that question. Am I going to wake up or am I going to stay numb? Yeah. I mean, I think some of us are still just processing what's going on. Like we don't even know. We, we're not even close to <laughs> understanding the level of what a pandemic, how it actually affects our mental health. And our nervous system and our old traumas. So that's the other thing. So let's talk about trauma for a second. So trauma with a big T, trauma with a small T. So mm-hmm. you and I have both expressed that we've had both. So trauma with a big T, uh, in the book I share very vulnerably about remembering at 36 years old, remembering sexual abuse from my childhood. That's a big mm-hmm. T trauma. Uh rape, uh, any kind of violence, uh, a a catastrophic event that you've lived through, uh, the repeated neglect, an alcoholic parent, big T trauma. A small T trauma is being bullied. But we've seen these small T traumas like being bullied overlooked and overlooked. And just recently in the news, that poor boy that hung himself, that teenage, and his mom spoke out about it. It's like that would be perceived as a small T trauma but it took his life. Yeah. And so we have to start to look at the the moments in life when someone tells you you're stupid when you're young or we you know just feeling feeling inadequate or or not seen. And those encounters with the small t or big t traumas affect every move we make from that point forward. And my mm-hmm. therapist once said to me, your trauma affects the way you brush your teeth. Ooh, you know, and so right now, anyone who's alive is has lived through trauma for, in many other ways, but particularly, I can say it with full certainty, we've mm-hmm. all lived through a collective trauma called COVID. So yep. this is a moment where we can start to take some action to undo the thought patterns from our past and thought patterns that we've created in the last two years, and not just thought patterns, but energetic disturbances in our system and start to self-soothe well I'm in this place where I dealt with a lot of trauma this last year and I'm like okay I'm ready to get over it like I'm ready but you know when your body is just like (laughs) now we're still upset and then my therapist is like feel your feelings but then they're also like self-soothe and and don't harp on it so it's this combination of like feel my feelings but also don't repeat the trauma over and over in your head. Could I dear Gabby you for a second? 
I would love, I would love, I'd be honored. The Dear Gabby means like coaching you kind of. Um, so so here's my Dear Gabby for you. Um, it To say like, just to push you into feeling the feelings or to tell yourself I'm going to get over it. Would you say that to a kid, like a little child that's having a hard time? Would you be like, get over it? You know, it's time mm. to move on. No, I'd be like, you lie down. I'll get some candles and you do whatever you need to do for as long as you need to do it. I'm trained in a therapeutic process called internal family systems therapy, otherwise known as IFS. I write about it in depth in the book, and it's it's probably the most profound healing I've had throughout my journey. And in the book, I talk about all these different styles of trauma recovery from EMDR to somatic experiencing to spiritual practices. But the IFS model is really profound in that it helps you recognize that the moments in your life that were traumatizing were, whether they were young, child moments, or even adult experiences, we push them down, tuck them away, say things like, I'm over it, I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. But what ultimately happens is that we actually build up all these other parts of ourselves, self-protective parts of ourselves. And in IFS, we'd call it protector parts. For the lexicon here, I'll just say parts of ourselves that are there to be first responders so that we don't have to feel that trauma and that that impermissible feeling. And so- The coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms. And we'll call them coping mechanisms, protector parts, whatever. Workaholism, alcoholism, addiction, raging, controlling, uh, you know, just sort of even sleeping, numbing out, checking out. Uh, gossiping, judging, all these habits that we might witness in ourselves and say, oh, that's a pretty crappy habit, or it's a really bad addiction, but they're actually in place to shut down those impermissible feelings. And so the first step in beginning the journey of undoing those fear-based feelings that are causing these negative reactions, and also another form of coping is like... uh, even physical symptoms like gastrointestinal issues or migraines, these physical psychosomatic symptoms show up as a way of help of, of helping us, quote, air quotes, avoid the impermissible feelings. And so you don't want to go straight into the impermissible feelings because that's going to blow you out. Like it's just going to be too difficult. So right now, what I want to suggest is to just look at with me for a moment is there, is there a particular coping mechanism or protector part that's really activated for you right now? Work. Yeah. I'm on the road. I'm doing comedy. It's where I can be in the moment. Like when you're doing stand-up, you can't start spacing out like you do in a conversation or in a social situation. You have to be present. And every, I forget everything in those moments. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that. In, my, in Happy Days, I talk about how when I was on stage, because I'm a motivational speaker, that, mm-hmm. that while I was suffering with workaholism and postpartum, uh, excuse me, well, yes, I had that too, but, but, mm-hmm. but suffering with, with uh, unresolved trauma, I was on stage and that was when I felt most free. And that's because mm-hmm. that's when we're channeling and when we're really stepping out yes. of the story but it's and also you're connecting and you're connecting and it's beautiful but it also is another form of protection it's another protective part because it's a way of getting above the pain with a workaholic mindset i feel like sometimes the concept of like healing trauma is kind of super boring like i'm like what does that even look like like 
me just <laughs> sitting in it or me doing breath work? Well, yes, and. So what I want to say is let's look at the workaholic part right now. And the real journey is to start to give, to be a little bit curious about her and to mm. extend some compassion. Is it a her? I don't want to just check in with your body for a quick second. Is there a gender? Is there a physical sensation that you would give to this part? Yeah, it's a little girl who wants to be successful. Yeah. Okay. So let's ask her what she needs right now. She needs like unconditional acceptance. There you go. Does she know that you're here with her right now? I've been not always present for her. Okay. Okay. In this moment, does she notice you? Yeah. Cool. And is there, how do you feel towards her right now? Oh, I love her so much. <sighs> oh, I just got chills. <laughs> oh, okay. And is there uh, anything you want to say to her that would just let her know that? I want to let her know that, like, she doesn't have to try so hard. And that she's, like, so much more than the stuff on paper she's looking for. And that those things are, are just honestly making things more difficult and stunting her. And so what else, anything else that she needs from you? I mean, she just, to be like the best person she can be, she needs space like to explore and be creative. And now I've found my creative kind of path and that's where I feel my most free. And I don't, and it's like my own journey that I created for myself. Um, so I think she's happy about it, but also, but also we want to work through like, we're having a lot of ego deaths right now. Okay. So you said that she wants to feel like she has space to be creative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can, is there like a place or like an experience in your life that like feels spacious and creative? When I was little, I loved painting. Oh, okay, okay. But I also, when I was little, I had a very structured life because I was a, as a tennis player, she could not choose what she was doing after school. She was going to practice. She was doing homework. Did she, she want to paint? Yeah. Okay. But she also, what was more fun than painting was winning. <laughs> like the immediate gratification of winning on the tennis court. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot here and I would love if I had like another hour, I would go deep with you. But for mm -hmm. this moment, what's going to be extremely profound is if you can just visualize for yourself in your mind a place where you could paint with her. And you can describe that place to me. You see it? Yeah. It's it's where I grew up in Brooklyn. And it was like this huge mirror. And there was no one around. And it was just like very spacious. And she could do whatever she wanted with no judgment. There you but go. She, she was proud of everything. Like she could do anything. And she was proud of it. <laughs> So right here, right now, just place your hand on your heart and let's just close your eyes for a moment and let's just visualize you taking her with you to the 
place in Brooklyn where she can be free to create without any judgment. Mm. Yeah, it feels very safe. It feels warm. And time feels like you're not worried about the past or the future. You're just like doing something that brings you joy. Excellent. You're extremely good at this process. Oh my God. I'm a Leo. You know, I love a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel in your body right now? Just we're, this is fast. You know, we're doing this quickly. Want to acknowledge, how are you feeling? Well, it's kind of crazy that this all was here. Like I had it in me and you just kind of shifted my perspective. Yes. Yes. And it reminds me when I was reading of your book, you were talking about self-regulation, self-soothing, which is something that I've not been good at my whole life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but a skill that like we don't get taught. Right. No, we don't. And it's all in this book. And that's what you just did is literally self-soothing because in IFS, there's these protector parts, but there's also the self with a capital S. And that's, mm. the, that's the courageous, calm, compassionate creative part of us that has the ability to retrieve those scared parts and bring them back to safety. And so what we just did was a retrieval very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I'm here for you on speed dial if you ever want to go deeper in this. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's my it's my passion. Like I'm obsessed with it. But 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 what we just did, and this is for the listener to be able to do with himself, is to simply look and notice at that addictive pattern, or in your case, it was the workaholic, or in somebody else's case, it's like, you know, the stress or the anxiety, to witness it and just look at it and ask it some questions. Just just say, say, get curious, just get curious about what it, what you notice about it, what it needs, Mm. and just let it reveal to you what it needs. And in that moment, if you can extend compassion and calmness, you begin to self-soothe instantly. And then you can bring in a breath practice. And then you can bring in a meditation. And then you can bring Mm. in some EFT. But what happens too often is, and it's fine, there's nothing wrong with this, what happens too often is people are like, I'm doing my breath practice, or like I'm doing my exercise, or I'm doing my meditation over the feeling, over the storyline, over that younger part that needs some resolution or some support. And so if you can just identify and notice first and ask a little questions, get curious, be compassionate, and bring that part of yourself into the healing and the self-soothing, then it's a deeper process. What would you say to people who are having a lot of trouble choosing compassion with their storyline? Well, it's really deep work and it takes a lot of time. And not everyone has what's called direct access to self, which you do have. You had it immediately. Immediately you were like, oh, girl, I love you so much. You just yeah. have such deep love and compassion for that little girl. And that's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. most people. So that's, that's also a sign that you've been doing a lot of therapy and that you're just extremely committed to yourself through personal growth. So you're a rock star. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's listening to this but hasn't done any therapy or personal growth, you're a rock star because – you're listening. You know, you're still <laughs> five minutes in and you're still fucking listening. So what would they do if they don't have self-compassion? In the book, I talk about steps for reparenting yourself. And it's really profound. So early in the pandemic, I, I, have, a, I have a toddler. And we all had our kids at home. And my husband and I run our business. And it was just like really chaotic. So I was reading every mm-hmm. single book mm-hmm. by this by this doc, uh, Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a profound child psychologist. And I was just going nuts with his work. 
And one of the methods is um, the four S's, seen, soothe, safe, secure. And so if you have compassion, uh, if you're having trouble being compassionate towards yourself, just take out your notebook and just for the, the scene question, just notice notice what, once again, like what, what it is that your anxiety needs you to know. Notice what your fear wants to tell you. Just make a list. And then for the secure, for the, for the soothed, you know, write down a list of ways that you could soothe yourself, right? So maybe it's like putting your right hand on your heart and your left hand on your belly and just breathing. Maybe it's journaling more. Maybe it's going to a therapy um, maybe mm-hmm. it's it's listening to this podcast. Like, what are some things that you could do to soothe yourself? And then really what makes you feel safe? Like, write a list of, okay, I'm safe when I'm in my bed. I'm safe when I'm with my my best friend, whatever the answers are. Petting my cat. Petting my fucking cat. <laughs> I have the best kitten in the whole world. Oh, congratulations. That makes me so happy. I gotta show you my kitten. She is actually on my list. And then and then really recognizing that if I start to commit to more of these practices, I can actually create a secure environment for myself. And that would be a proactive, actionable thing to do if you don't have that direct line of compassion right away. Yeah, yeah. That compassion comes with the commitment to just continue to go inward. Because yeah. at the core of who we are is that compassionate self. I'm trying to think of the like millennial women that are that listen to this pod and I do think social media is the root of so much pain and like lack of compassion at times because I don't think our brains are supposed to know what people are doing so many people are doing at so many times do you have any advice for finding compassion when you're always comparing on social media I am your big sister sister okay Mm -hmm. I want to be the 42 year old elder speaking to all of you beautiful young women right now and I want to extend first extend my self energy to them I just want to extend so much love and compassion to you Hannah and to everyone listening and I hope you actually can truly feel this that you're good enough you're lovable you're so profoundly transformational Mm. and the shit that you see online is a bunch of fucking bullshit Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I want to give the best piece of advice I could give this person, which is to, there's two pieces of advice here. One is only follow the people who make you feel good. Mm. A lot of stuff about manifesting out there on the internet now. You know, the secret to manifesting is to feel good in your energy system. Because when you're feeling free and you're feeling good, you become what I call a super attractor. Just start to magnetize towards yourself. And you know this. I'm sure you've seen it. Like when you're in the flow and you're feeling good, just more opportunity, more cool things, Mm -hmm. more just more inner peace. That's the biggest manifestation. Mm -hmm. So only follow folks that make you feel good. That's number one. Number two, if you find yourself and notice yourself being jealous of something that you see online, 
instead of being instead of being jealous and sort of reactive, what if you decided to see that as what I call driftwood? And this is like a great manifesting phrase. Is, okay, so you want to be a comedian and you see Hannah Rock and her shit out there and it makes you excited and you are in love with her, but you're also kind of like, I kind of want to be like that and I'm not like that. And if she's doing it, I can't do it and all those storylines. Instead, what if you saw her success as driftwood, as a moment of recognizing, oh, well, that's I'm seeing that because it's the universe reminding me of what I'm capable of. Yes, huge transformation there, huge reorganization there. When I was you know, trying to conceive, I would see like all these pregnant women. I was like getting really envious. And then I was like, wait, no, the universe keeps showing me pregnant women because that's coming for me. And if you can reorganize that belief system, you can really shift your energy. And then the other thing I would say is on social, if you're trying to be seen and like that, and you're, you're like aggressively looking at your likes and your da 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 then come back to that reparenting step of seeing yourself. Spend time with yourself and really witness yourself. Make a list of all of your beautiful, positive traits. Make a list of, 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 of what it is that you admire most about yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other element of that is don't share anything socially or publicly from that energy of needing to be seen. That's really powerful. And this is coming from someone with a million followers. It's because there's a difference between wanting a following versus giving what you want to your community. That's exactly right, baby. Because, you know, I said I said to um, my publicist at one point, I said, you know, I'm not trying to be an influencer. I want to be seen mm-hmm. as a teacher. That's my mission. That's mm-hmm. my purpose is to help people awaken to that healing and creativity and courageous energy and compassion for themselves. And that is my mission. So I don't give a shit about being seen. I want to be in service. And so, you know, just just reflecting that back to you, why I'm so obsessed with you and I found you on social is because I see the light and the joy and the inspiration and it doesn't feel needy. It feels, oh, thank you. It feels genuinely joyful and expressive. I was, you know, I got kind of off my my track, as you like to say. I was doing, I did three years of reality TV, and it was really positive in a lot of ways. But I did find myself in a place where it's all about like gossip and attention and likes, and that's purely what it is because we're not even creating. There's no creativity to it. And then there's a lot of like things that I was feeling really uncomfortable with. And then now that I've, I've left reality TV and I'm back in comedy, I'm, I'm like shedding those kind of things that I had taught myself it was okay to do because that's what I was surrounded by. But comedy is hard because I want people to like me. That's how I get tickets sold. But then you realize you don't want to force people to like you. You want your people to find you and they can only find you when I'm being myself online. That's the key. You know, I studied theater in, in college and I was a shitty actress. <laughs> I'm going to really pr- proudly say like I'm an exceptional motivational speaker because mm-hmm. the thing I didn't get when I was in theater school was I was trying to be someone else rather than let my truth come through that character. And yeah. so when I just started being me, I can really be magnetic and 
by being your authentic self, you allow people to witness themselves in you. Wow, that is so beautiful because reality TV, I wasn't always being shown as authentically me. I and mean, you're being produced. It's like, even if you are being you, you're not going to be seen as you. So it's a No, and no matter how hard you try and stand up is like in your face me. <laughs> like it's, and that is part of my healing, I think. Can you also explain the concept of a storyline a little more? Because I deal with it in reality TV, what a storyline is. But it's fascinating that we actually do have storylines that we make up. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember when I said earlier that your trauma affects how you brush your teeth? <laughs> yes. So the experiences from your childhood have set you up with belief systems that are showing up in all the ways you live your life. So when I was in sixth grade, the boy I had a crush on told me I was stupid. And for my entire education into my career I could totally see myself as as you know a great marketer a great publicist or a great a great motivational speaker but I almost didn't write my first book because I thought I was stupid and that wow I'm nine books later imagine what would have happened if I listened to that voice so the and really only in the last year at 42 years old when I just took this training in this therapy system IFS that we did do I actually feel like I'm really good at school you know <laughs> like I can wow. actually be a uh, that I'm actually really intellectual and I have the ability to really learn and that's that's uh, that's 42 fucking years of recovery to be in that place now and that's a small T trauma. Small T trauma that dictated the rest of my life. So it's very important to notice that the storyline, while it may not be so available to you, it's happening. And Abraham Hicks is a manifesting teacher that I often reference. And they say that a belief is just a thought that you keep thinking. So the beliefs that we have about ourselves are repeated thoughts that we think over and over and over again. And yes, you can change your thoughts and that will help. But with the bigger T and the small T traumas, you don't just have to change your thoughts. You have to change the storyline. Wow. You have to change that story in your, in your conscious memory and in your body, in your somatic experience because it like lives in our nervous system. You know, every time mm -hmm. like a guy doesn't call you back, like – there's your attachment, your anxious attachment starts to like rev up and you flip out. You know, mm -hmm. you have to really heal that wound in order to end the 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 negative pattern. Yeah, that's when you like call your friend or your mom or someone to be like, tell me this is okay. And they'll make you feel good temporarily. But then the storyline will eke back like, no, they're wrong. This is the truth. In the book, I talk about attachment styles. And are you familiar with attachment styles? I'm like newly into attachment styles and I'm very interested. Yeah, let's go. And I, I, um, <laughs> I'm actually putting out a quiz on attachment styles. It'll probably be out like a week or two after. Oh, I can't wait. As you can find out your attachment styles. So our attachment styles are based on the experiences from our childhood, particularly with our parents and our primary caregivers. And they are the ways that we were brought up directly dictate how we're going to be attached in future adult experiences. So, and it doesn't mean that we're the victim of our attachment style. In my book, I give all the methods of how we can undo those patterns, but so that we can really have freedom in relationships and really enjoy our relationships and partnerships. But the, uh, the 
there's three different attachment styles that I will address here. And one is a secure attachment, which is, you know, it says it on the tin, right? So it's you, you've brought, been brought up in a secure, safe environment. Your parents practiced, whether they knew it or not, those four S's we mentioned, seen, soothed, secure, safe. And so you're, you're pretty calm in your body. You're pretty confident in life, genuinely confident. You don't have a lot of drama in relationships. You just, you just show up and you feel pretty free. Then there's the anxious attachment style, and that's with a parent that was uh, sort of un- inconsistent. So the some days they were present, some days they were really not and checked out, and maybe they were anxious or maybe they were depressed or maybe they were using alcohol and drugs, whatever it is. But the inconsistency created this fear system that says, I don't know who's going to show up today. I don't know what I'm getting. And so that makes you anxiously attached. And the anxiously attached person is the one that psycho calls the guy like three weeks into it or mm-hmm. the part of the, the, the person that like – flips out if they're not getting that text message back or just get super attached really fast, like zero to 10 walking down the aisle within week one, right? Yep. And can often scare people off in relationships. That's the anxiously attached. And then there's the avoidantly attached, which is the the person who grew up with a avoidant attachment style of just not feeling seen, not feeling that they had recognition and acknowledgement and that parent was was probably pretty checked out and so this person has the core belief system that I have to take care of myself I have to be independent I cannot rely on anyone else and so that's the person that gets like really into it when things are spicy in the beginning and then like a week later is like checked out Mm -hmm. and like okay moving on and that makes the anxious attachment person freak out. <laughs> Quite often that the anxious and the avoidant come together, okay? And of it's, course. And, it's, it, and listen, like anxious and anxious together could be still difficult, but it's easier. But avoidant and anxious together is just going to be like a trigger storm. And the avoidant person is the one that's like really prides himself on being uh, really independent and just, you know, is into it in the beginning and then not into it anymore and just sort of doesn't get into intimate relationships, very hard time being vulnerable or the anxiously attached is just like, let me tell you all of my feelings and needs and I really want you to just move into my apartment now. <laughs> so it's rough. And the awareness of our styles, which I'll, I'll give you for your show notes, the link to the attachment quiz. It may be out after you put this out, but we'll get it up in March so you'll just have it. And I really want to emphasize the benefit and the value of understanding your attachment style because the more you understand about it, the easier it will be for you to start to undo the patterns. And so in the book, mm-hmm. in Happy Days, I break down the attachment styles and then I give you the methods for, for how to self-soothe so that you can at least begin the journey of witnessing, noticing you're you're crazy, you know, noticing the ways that you act out and really helping yourself become more whole within so that you don't have to rely on others to resolve the wounds from your past. And it's self-soothing in general to just be able to read something and be like, oh, this is why I'm feeling this way. It's not some like insane, crazy emotion that I, that doesn't have a reason. Yeah. The more we know, the better we feel. And I love the concept of self-parenting because you have so many voices in your head that you're like, they're probably true, they're probably true. But you saying, guys, you're allowed to shut them up and reparent yourself is so powerful. 
because sometimes you're like but they're more right than me but you're literally saying you don't have to listen to them mm -hmm. that's exactly right it <clears throat> it's not that you don't have to listen to them it's that you do listen to them and you become compassionate towards those storylines mm. and you become curious about those storylines and then you become the safe person that they can go to because you didn't have that safety in your childhood. And so you establish that inner dialogue and that inner connection and that inner ability to soothe those parts of yourself that are just so, so in need of just being seen and loved. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can't believe that I'm doing burning in hell with like, in my head, you're like the ultimate like self-care guru of a lot of women and men. But with that is like a lot of responsibility. And I know that you're constantly dealing with your own battles and growth. Do you, does something ever happen to you? And then you're just like, oh, shoot. Was I right about that stuff? Or like, do I, is the whole world not what I thought it was? Because you're you're not saying that you're God. You're not saying you know everything. How do you kind of grow yourself while also helping everyone? Well, it starts with me consistently correcting people. I've been doing 85 podcasts for this book. And every oh time someone's like, oh, you're the spiritual guru. You're the self-help guru. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Do not call me your guru. Because uh -huh. if you make me your idol or you make me your guru, if and when I fall apart or something happens to me that I can't recover from or I say something that pisses you off because we don't have the same belief systems, then you fall with me. And mm. I, I, I wrote a book called You Are the Guru. Like I don't want – and if any self-help person out there tells you that they're a guru, run the other way fast, yes. fast. Yes, because that is some cult stuff. It's, it's cult stuff <laughs> and it's, it's also like – ego you know the reason that i believe that my books work and people come to show up to hear me give a talk is because i tell the truth and i'm vulnerable and i'm authentic and i tell you all the ways i fucked up so that i could tell you how to get to the other side of that and it's mm -hmm. in my truth that other people can recognize their own and that's why this works there's never been a book that i've written that's more vulnerable and authentic than this one i Ooh. just go there to the max and I did it because I want my reader to, number one, know they're not alone, and two, know that there's a guided path out. I love that so much. And I also love that you corrected me because, you know, there's so many kind of buzzwords that you can use in the self-help community, and I think a lot of it can be super toxic, and then a lot of it can be incredibly helpful, and you have to kind of sift but I, I want to get to know you a little bit more with our final game, The Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. Okay, what are you greedy about? Oh, you know, I have this like weird greediness about a lot of random little things. It's, <laughs> it's like this like internal hoarder because I, I think that when I grew up, I grew up without my family was like not very financially secure and I lived in like a very wealthy community. And so I had a lot of like uh, a lot of feelings of lack. And so there was tendencies to like overeat or like eat really fast so that I could just make sure that I was getting enough. And so I still notice that at times, like I'll get a nail polish and I'll be like, I need to get five more because like <laughs> I, I think that like it's going to go away, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think I'm sort of like unconsciously 
I don't know if that's greedy is exactly the word, but like mm-hmm. I'm just constantly like, I need more. I need more. Who are you envious of? It's going to sound so obnoxious and not obnoxious. <laughs> it's going to sound annoying. I'm not really envious of anyone. Well, you've done a lot of work. Yeah. No, no. I spent many years being envious of people and wanting what they had and whatnot. I am so good in this present moment and I'm so good with me Mm. that the things I see in other people that I want, I just am like, oh, yeah, you can have that. Like a good friend of mine, he's like rocking in his career. He's in this personal growth field and has just been like one major thing after the next after the next. And it was such a profound moment to witness him and instead be like, why don't I have that? I was like, holy shit, he's blowing up. I'm so fucking proud of him. And to text yeah. him and be like, I, you are my superhero. Sorry, let me say that mm-hmm. again. You know, to text him and be like, you're my superhero. You looked so awesome on Trevor Noah. You know, like, just mm-hmm. keep kicking ass. Like, I'm so proud of you. And to not in any way see that as anything other than amazing for him. And also, I've done this new thing where I'm like, that's my friend. Like, I'm so happy that I know them and I'm proud of myself that, like, that amazing person, I get to, like, pick their brain and, like, care for them and be there for them. I've Sometimes I will have a storyline of fake envy for a previous me in a previous situation. You know how g- girls would joke like, oh, I saw a photo of me from 2011 when I thought I was fat and I was so skinny or like when I was, you know, doing well with this friend group or whatever. And then I realized like it's such rose colored glasses and like even though I might be going through a harder time now, I'm like more of a developed person. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me just tell you this as your elder, the the path that you're on of this like personal development, personal growth, really checking up for, for showing up for yourself, living in this creative space. You have so much incredible growth ahead of you that you're going to look back when you're my age and be like, I'm a fucking rock star, you know. Like, <laughs> like, and it's it's not about like how much you've done in the world, it becomes about how good you feel. And it's such a choice. Yeah. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Wrath, I don't know. Anger comes up for me when it's very, it's very like it's like a tinge now where it used to be like a blown out knives out, you know, go crazy. But when I'm activated in, so your your romantic lovers are always your greatest teachers. And so my husband and I are so profound in that we've done so much work together in this journey of personal mm-hmm. growth and therapy and things like that. But he, it's still the person who can activate you most. And so maybe a, we're, and we we're just turning such a beautiful corner now of really undoing those patterns of you trigger me, I trigger you, you trigger me, you, I trigger you. But I think that those really intimate relationships are often the places that can really get you most outraged because they're so close and they're so important. This is a loaded question, but how did you know he was the one you wanted to spend your life with? I didn't at first. So we were together for a few years and then we broke up for a year because my attachment wounds and her attachment styles, he was like an avoidant and I was a, a anxious and it was a real fucking mm-hmm. shit show. So I had to step away and just really totally step away. And I broke up with him and I was like, let's be friends. You know, I don't, I don't, I can't do this. My, 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 my internal system can't handle this anymore. Like it was so much mm-hmm. for my anxious attached style. 
And so I said, like, we're done, moving on. I fully moved on. I was dating other people, whatever. And he didn't. And it was so surprising to me because I thought he was so not into me because he was so avoidantly attached. And so in that year where we became such good friends and there was no, like, pretense, no pressure, I was like, I'm dating this other guy, but I'm in love with my ex-boyfriend. You know, it was so – and then we got together a year later and moved in right away and just we just knew this was it because we had to be out of that initial boundary of what it was supposed to look like to be really free in the truth of who we are. It's almost like you let your biggest fear happen, which was losing him, and then realize like, oh, I'm going to be okay without him, but I actually choose. I want to be with him, which is super beautiful. When was the last time you were a sloth or like a lazy piece of shit? Do you give yourself off days? Like, what is a day in the life of Gabby? I would never be referred to as a lazy piece of shit. And I think probably should exercise more of that in my life. Um, It's hard to be a lazy piece of shit when you have a three-year-old. Yeah, (laughs) true, true. And a kitten. And a baby girl named Jimmy Blue, my little girl. Uh, She's so freaking cute. So I, uh, I will say that I noticed myself getting a little sick last week when I was getting like, so revved up with the book launch and all the podcasts. And so I got sick and I lost my voice. And so I wasn't a lazy piece of shit. I just said, like, hands in the air, like, I'm just out, like, out. <laughs> and so you win, universe. <laughs> exactly. And I just decided my team reschedule everything. And here I am. And I spent that whole day that specific day in my sauna on this like pm pmf mat like just watching bullshit on youtube to just reset Mm -hmm. and so that was good i was proud of that when was the last time you let your pride or your ego get in the way of something how's your ego right now my ego's good right now um well when i submitted this book happy days I'm just going to read you. We have three more minutes. And I know you have therapy. Yeah. I know you have your therapy. I'm not going to fuck with that. But I want to read you this. And I think it's a nice way to kind of bring it all together. So Mm -hmm. I'll read you three paragraphs. Hold on. And it answers this question. Introduction. The truth about this book. We're anxious for you, Gabby, said my publisher after reading the first pass of the manuscript. It feels too vulnerable, they continued. You're revealing one difficult moment after the next. You're not showing your true strength. My ability to be this vulnerable is my true strength, I responded. The conversation carried on with several moments of tears, passionate explanations, defending the manuscript, mixed with mutual agreement and love. While this was a challenging conversation to have, it was necessary. This book is different from the eight that came before. This book reveals parts of me I'd never known were there until I started this writing process. This book tells the story of how to survive and thrive. This is my story of recovering from trauma. Now, I wanted to read that because that was the moment when my ego was in the way. They, while they were, while I was right in that my vulnerability is my true strength, they were right too. They were pointing out you need to you need to show that strength more because it's not coming through like they were really putting in front of me that all the fear stories all the trauma all the drama was really just wiping out the years of profound 
work, years of profound moments on stage that were life-changing for people, eight books mm-hmm. that changed people's lives. They're like, hello, there was mm-hmm. extreme light and grace even in the midst of all this crisis. And mm-hmm. so my ego got in the way in that moment because this is a book that I poured my heart, my soul, and shame, total shame was revealed inside this book. And so when they said, oh, this is too much, it activated that shame in me. Oh, yeah. They're not judging like a little painting that took you two days they're judging your entire traumatic like life that you poured out as a choice for people and shame is a wild emotion there's a whole chapter on shame in this book and it's it's delicate it's delicate I am so so excited to read happy days I feel like I we've literally just touched the surface on things but I like to wrap every episode up with the final question and for you you can go take this in a bazillion directions, but in this moment, what advice would you give to the listeners on what to do to cope with their hell when they're in it, when they're in their dark place? Oh, I'm giving this advice to the listeners. I'm also giving this advice to my 28, 29, 30-year-old young millennial self. Mm. I would say make your inner journey your highest priority. And everything else is going to work out. Everything you want is coming to you in ways that you could never possibly imagine. So just keep looking in, keep turning in, keep staying open to creative possibilities for your own inner work, whether it be a book, whether it be a therapist, whether it be a podcast, a yoga class, whatever it is that's going to wake you open and crack you open. But if that's your focus, my love, everything will be far beyond your wildest dreams oh my gosh i am feeling so many emotions i'm pumped up i could cry i could laugh gabby where can people follow you where can they get the book give me all the details that people need to know at gabby bernstein on instagram i am at deargabby.com and i have a podcast called dear gabby where i dear gabby people like we did here so bravely with you and Love the it. book is called Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. And I have one more important thing to say. My, I, my dream reader for this book is the yous of the world, your listeners, you, Hannah. It's the young woman who, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's the young woman who knows there's more and doesn't want to, to feel stuck and doesn't want to feel held back and just wants to feel free so that she can really express herself fully and completely. And I just cannot wait for that reader to find this book. From all of us, thank you for your vulnerability and the work that you do. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I feel like the little devils are going to be obsessed with this episode. Follow her, listen to her, read her, consume everything she puts out. And um, thank you for coming to hell today, guys. We love you. Bye. I love you. <laughs>